Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, I like how we're doing these Kings-focused episodes on Sundays. Uh, we get a break from covering the teams around the league. And today we got someone uh, very cool to talk to about the Kings, uh, very involved with the team, both the Sacramento Kings and the Stockton Kings. Uh, it's Morgan Reagan. How are you doing today, Morgan? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and thank you, Morgan, for coming on and taking a little bit of time out of your day. Uh, we kind of want to start with, I guess, where it all started for you in regards to becoming a Kings fan. And obviously, being in Sacramento does that. My understanding is that you grew up in the city? Yeah, so I grew up in the Burbs, the Roseville area, but you know, it's close to Sacramento and uh, then having the team at that point at Arco Arena and then Power Balance, now Sleep Train, now nothing. Uh, that was, you know, what my family and I grew up on. Yeah, absolutely. And it does feel like you don't need to grow up in this, the small little on the grid to be a part of Sacramento. I think the identity goes like much further beyond that. Uh, even still and so were your was your family like big kings fans growing up you know it's kind of funny because my family there weren't a whole bunch of people in my family that were all about basketball but uh i don't know what it was i i think my dad watched some kings basketball and then i just got extremely into it and um and i i just i remember that this time like we could barely even afford cable and like the way that we'd get games on our little tv in the living room and all watch it together it was so fun and so then we had a little hoop outside and um i started balling and you know i just had i had a feel for the game and i as i kept playing then that was when my dad got more into it and he started reading books about basketball because he wanted to be able to teach his young daughter more and more about basketball and I had two older brothers but they casually played they're more into football and I believe soccer my oldest brother was in and then I just I, I touched a basketball and fell in love yeah and Obviously, I'm assuming that you played a little bit more aside from the hoop in front of your house. Uh, what, what other competitive sort of uh, basketball did you play throughout your life growing up? Yeah, so when I first started, like, I remember in a rec league, and I was always the little girl that would, you know, rip the ball away from anyone. Just had the feel for the game at a young age. And after that, my dad's like, my dad didn't even understand what the next steps were. And he was like, Oh, some of your friends are doing this, you know, AAU stuff. Let's try this out. And so then once I started getting into AAU, I started, uh, I started getting on more competitive teams where we would actually travel the country and, you know, play in Tennessee and Chicago and all these Nike tournaments. And, 
uh, as that continued for me, it continued into high school. So once I got into high school, I made the varsity team as a freshman and played all four years on varsity. And of course, the program I was with wasn't that great. So AU basketball was the thing that like, you know, allowed scouts and other schools to actually, uh, you know, analyze my game and see if they wanted me to play for them. And uh, that all went great. And I had some offers and I was that terrible 17 year old that, you know, my, my parents paid so much money for me to travel and play ball. But for a lot of young girls in sports, you know, it's just, it's weird. It's a, you get screwed over with some bad coaches and you just want to quit. And that happened with a lot of my friends. And then it happened for me. Once I had those offers, I turned all the offers down and was like, I don't want to play anymore. And then of course it took one summer. I missed it for one summer at 17 years old and was like, you know what? I don't, I'm, I had a boyfriend at the time and was like, I'm going to stick around. And, but then I was like, I want to play ball again. And Sierra College, just the JC, ended up playing there for a year. And we, be, we got second in state of California for JUCO basketball. And then after that, though, I just had so, shoulder problems, surgery, all that stuff. No joke, you guys. I came back, though, like uh, a couple years later. And they're like, hey, you're still eligible to play. You want to play? And I was like, sure. So I'm in my prime pretty much at 23 years old. I started balling again. And not only for Sierra, but then I started playing some pro-am basketball in San Francisco. And that was with all the overseas players and a few WNBA players. And then at that point, I thought I wanted to play WNBA or I thought I wanted to play just overseas. And, uh, and then, you know, career cut short with injuries and being a five, six point guard, unless you're, you know, the best of the best, you can only go so far. That's a crazy story. I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm hearing all that from the first time. It's really cool. Did you say Sierra College? Yeah, just in Rockland. I went to Sierra College in Rockland. They have a, I mean, fabulous women's program. I think actually Bobby Jackson's daughter plays there right now. Um, and, you know, they've always had a really good basketball program, especially for people that want to be seen and want to go, you know, play two years at JUCO and then go to a four year. But for me, it was never a play at a four year. It was like, it was like, okay, actually, I want to go play overseas and to the world. And then, like I said, though, it like my shoulder just like popped out of its socket when I put a shirt on. So, and, and I, <laughs> and I always got a uh, concussion growing up. I, I've had several concussions playing basketball and a lot of people are like how the hell do you get a concussion but you know when you're five six on the court a lot of elbows come down on your head or you get a back screen and you just black out and there you go you're concussed that's wild i uh i yeah i'm actually just transferring from Sierra college i'm going to sac state in the fall that's really it's a great school and i the athletics are definitely like they love their their athletes there so that's really cool to hear and go uh wolverines but uh yeah that's awesome <laughs> and then i i ended up going to sac state as i didn't play there but then i ended up going there as well just to uh for journalism classes actually well i will probably have a lot of the same uh professors whoever's <laughs> still there that's my major as well that's awesome that's awesome so and then obviously from there you you wanted to get into the other side of basketball the 
uh, I mean, there's many sides of it, I guess, but you wanted to get into uh, some broadcasting and some um, social media work, all types of uh, digital media with them. How did how did that start for you? Was it just out of college or when did you did you decide, you know, my body can't hold up right now, but I still want to still in love with the sport? Yeah. So it was actually more in high school. I was taking, uh, I was in the media classroom or the media class where we would do these morning television broadcasts for the entire school. And I just, I knew this is what I want to do. I loved, I loved all the work behind the camera, but I loved being like the talent in front of the camera. I just enjoyed reporting what was going on and what was happening. And I even at graduation, I like won an award for media. It was just something that I just loved. So then I wanted to continue that. So when I did go to Sierra College and even Sac State, um, I, you know, took journalism classes. But I actually, that time that I took the break after the first year of playing ball at Sierra and going there, I actually moved to L.A. to go try and do this whole broadcasting career. And it was funny. My dad would always say, you know, you don't need to move to L.A. to do broadcast there's plenty of broadcast in sacramento but being a naive you know young person in college i was like no i don't like sacramento screw this place i gotta go somewhere else and and so i did i went to la and i was um eaten alive you know just (laughs) being a woman there and uh you know you go on you go on auditions because for like television hosting or whatever it is you wanted to do and Sometimes people would call back not to just call you back to be like, Hey, we want you for a second interview kind of thing. It was like, Hey, we're calling you to ask you out on a date. And it was, I mean, that's literally what LA, it was just ridiculous. You had to have relationships. You had to know the right people. So when broadcasting wasn't going well there, I was like, you know what, moving back home, uh, moving back to, I'm going to move to Sacramento. And I did. And then that's when I got an internship with news 10. I don't know if you guys know of Sean Cunningham, uh, oh, yeah. he, he covers, yeah, he covers the Sacramento Kings still. And he was like kind of one of my mentors at News 10. I freaking love Sean. And, uh, and you know, he would teach me the ins and outs of, uh, the news, the sports department of the news station. And then, uh, at the same time, so I was getting paid zero dollars, obviously, for these internships. At the same time, I went to a Sacramento Kings game and I met, uh, Dave Deuce Mason, who is still my podcast partner, uh, met him and he was like, you should really get into radio. And I was like, I was like, oh, I've never thought about that. I was like, let's try it. And so I got an internship at KHK at the same time I had the News 10 internship. And I was just covering the radio side, covering the TV side at a news station and fell more and more in love. And then once our show, I progressed to being on a midday show and then to a morning show and I just love talking sports. And obviously, NBA is like my number one. So once I realized, okay, this is like my dream. This is what I need to do. Uh, I I also then got a job with Good Day Sacramento reporting because I just, I, you know, I love TV all my life. So I was doing that. And, um, and then slowly, that turned into uh, just doing more and more freelance work with the Kings and their social media content. And then... Uh, got a job with them, and that grew to the G League uh, color commentating job, and which is literally living a dream. 
Yeah, and I think we want to talk about the G League and dive into that a little bit with you. But one one previous question is you said, you know, you were a five six point guard. If you were a scoring guard, I feel like the the type of player that you are, you kind of like and enjoy more in the league. And I'm curious if that's the same way with you. Like, are you a fan of sort of undersized point guards? Like, was Isaiah Thomas just your guy? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I grew up just loving Allen Iverson. I had, I had this, uh, fat crush on Chris Weber, you know, and it, it but like it, his game was tremendous too, but I couldn't, you know, uh, copy his game. It just wasn't what position I was going to play. So I remember Allen Iverson was like my guy. I had all of his shoes growing up and he just, I wanted to be like him. Just, just a little bulldog on the floor. Uh, and so then when someone like Isaiah Thomas even was around, it was really cool to see because there's so many more things you have to do when you are undersized. You have to attack the rim differently. You have to, uh, you know, make sure if you are going to attack the rim, how are you going to finish up the rim, especially when you're undersized or are you for sure looking out to, you know, dive and or drive and dish. And so, you know, I loved seeing that point guard because, or that undersized point guard because it really did set up so many more challenges for me. I loved being a shooting guard too, but I'm not going to lie to you on all the teams I was on. There was never, there was never someone with enough confidence to bring up the ball and facilitate an offense. Like I was on my team. Like I just, I loved being that quarterback. That's so interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, this is like a peek behind the curtain uh, for doing some prep on this episode. Uh, I So I Googled your name, right? Just to get to your, your basic information. <laughs> oh, no. On the first page of results is your uh, high school stats. So looks oh, like you, <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but uh, 15 no, points. No, I haven't Googled myself. <laughs> that sounded about right. This is the right Morgan. All right. And uh, yeah, but looks like you were, uh, you were crazy with the steals. You had mentioned that earlier, just like going after the ball on defense, but was that your calling card? You know, defensively, it's pretty weird. I was, I was slow laterally and, uh, you know, there's so many more quicker and explosive players and point guards, especially that I had to match up against. But if I, if I had my technique right and had my eye on the ball and knew what kind of crap that they were going to pull on me, yes, I would know how to just rip it away or knock it out or do what I need to do. That's funny. I didn't even know my skills were up. And I've had this discussion with Deuce before because he pulled up my stats and he said something like, I had one game where I shot 19 threes and, and only made two of them. And do you guys, so this is high school where if there's a, if there's a parent that does not like you and they're keeping stats, they're going to put whatever the hell stats that they want throughout the game. Just to, like, just so their child, no joke. So the coach would see these and their child would, uh, maybe look better than me or whatever. What it was such a weird thing. I, promise you i did not take 19 threes in a game and only make two and that's something i will go down to the grave with did you make three of them is that what happened (laughs) no i didn't even take 19 i had i i held the record at my high school for or i tied the record for threes made in a game and they were all it was like seven threes in this first half against like grant high school and i think it was my senior year and it was 
I remember the second half, our point guard at that time, because at that time I was more of a shooting guard, she would not pass it to me after. And it was, it was so, it was just like, it, there wasn't a lot of team ball growing up. I just, I don't know. It was, it's a very strange, high school basketball is such a strange concept. And I think AAU, it kind of trinkles into AAU a little bit because it's all about showboating and showing off, you're showcasing yourself, right? But like, I, I, I'm a basketball purist. I just wanted to play the game the right way. And that's why I think uh, playing point guard was so good for me because it was the way to like really make sure the offense was being run correctly. Yeah. And so, like you said, there's high school, there's this AAU level. And then of course we have this minor league for the NBA. Um, that's the Stockton team for the Kings that you've been covering for a while now. Just your first sort of opinions and things that you recognize that was different about the G League compared to the NBA, uh, aside from player skill level, the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I, and I think the most interesting thing besides obviously the style of play or, you know, how the, the caliber of play and everything with these guys is there's so much turnover. Think about it. You might have a new teammate every single week in this league. And that's sometimes hard to, to stick to what your identity of your team is. So there'd be times where I remember Deuce and I would call a game for the Memphis hustle, let's say, and then the Memphis hustle would come back in a month later and their roster was completely changed. So not only is it hard when you're analyzing and calling these games, but for these guys, it's a whole different offense or, or defensive scheme that they're doing uh, as they come back to play the Stockton Kings. So I think for these guys, a lot of it's like they might do their homework, but then, hell, there could be one new guy in there that could throw off everything. That could be their cheat code, the one guy that dominates, and they're like, wow, we didn't, we didn't study hard enough for him because we didn't know he was going to be on this roster. Yeah, it, it seemed like a really successful first year in Stockton, though, for the for the G League team. Um, I, I I got to be down there a few times, uh, especially for Harry's games down there, Harry Giles. Um, and I yeah. know he's a, yeah, I know he's a guy who you had on the pod with uh, Deuce as well. I think he's been on either one or both of your podcasts, and um, yeah. you got to see him play and call his games. What are your thoughts on on Harry Giles, a, a favorite around these parts, to be sure? Oh my gosh. I mean, how do you not just love that guy? Not, not only is he just so charismatic and just such, he is that good of a human being. Like when you, you see him in person or interview him and everything, there's nothing fake about him. Like he's just a good human being. And that's so healthy to have. But then on top of that, you have this guy, this young talent that is capable of so much. Obviously, injuries are pushing him back a little bit, but he's fighting through them. And the way that he sees the floor, especially for a big guy, and I I hate using this comparison, but people, you know, we do sometimes want to be like, God, there's a lot of resemblance to Chris Webber's game. And Chris Webber was that big of a player where he could stretch the floor and still catch the ball out there, turn around, square up, and see the entire floor and facilitate himself and create 
an offense that sometimes a point guard isn't be isn't going to be able to create at their level. Um, and when I say their level, I mean like literally their height and where they're able to see everything over a lot of these huge guys. Harry Giles, I I just man, I just hope he he gets healthy and and gets to create the career that he's like meant to have because what a fun guy to watch and when you know that they're that good of a person too, you you just you root so hard for them. Yeah, I think the whole city of Sacramento is definitely on board with you. Can't blame him. Every taste we get that he's a great guy, he pushes the city of Sacramento, definitely praises it, gives the feeling that he's not going to want to leave. Um, I'm curious when a two-way guy or someone like Giles goes down to the G League and all of a sudden, say you're the best player on the G League roster, your role is so diminished that night. Do they... Almost get a little bit of a side eye here to these players that are dropping down. Uh, I think it depends on who's being dropped down. It depends on the egos. And, you know, with someone like when Harry Giles uh, came to the Stockton Kings, it was more to rebuild his confidence and, and give him that opportunity to do things that he wasn't able to just have confidence and do on the NBA floor. And so when he's doing that in G League, you know, the offense revolves all of a sudden around him and he's going to do whatever the hell he wants to make sure that he shows uh, the right coaches and whoever he needs to show that he belongs on in in the big league. And so when that would happen, sure, I think there are some guys with egos that are like, hell no, I don't want want this to happen. I want to play the game that I was playing. I'm the star player here. I need to showcase myself to get into the big league. So that's where I think sometimes the team aspect gets lost in the G league where it becomes more like AAU and you're showcasing yourself. But at the same time, how are you going to stop that? And the only way you're going to stop that is just to try and create this good atmosphere, good chemistry between the guys where they're not going to feel that one way toward a certain person. Another standout guy for Stockton uh, who's got some buzz with the Kings, with the big team, uh, playing well in the California Classic as well. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel, you got to see a lot of him. I'm sure you called a bunch of his games. He was down there for 42 of his games, even though he was a two-way player. Uh, what, are you, what are you seeing from him? What are you liking from what you see? Uh, you know, some, sometimes he's so on and you're just like, Hell yeah, he can dominate if he is to is if he's going to be on the Sacramento Kings roster. And then there's other games where you were just like, what is, what is he doing? He's like being soft with the ball or like uh, 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 just some sort of defensive play where he's not making the right decision and see ball, see man. And that's where you get really frustrated with him. But that's where you also know it's like, okay, that is why he's here in the G League play to kind of fix those little things that he has going on that he needs to uh, help his game and that's more going to come with more and more games played you know he needs to get those kinks out work on those uh, little things because you can't let those mistakes happen when you are in the NBA and with Wenyan you know for him to be able to stretch the floor and be the tall player that he is and then sometimes you'd see him just go to the rim with authority and throw it down. Those are the times where you're like, you have so much confidence in him. And I still, and I think going into this year, 
I have a lot of confidence in him and I'm excited to see him play, especially with the G League, because sometimes he looked like the best player out there when he was with the Stock and Kings, and that's what he needs to show all the time. Do you think that the G League does a good job of getting the players prepped for the NBA? Because it is so different. I mean, the talent level is obviously different. The I, for a lack of a better way to say it, just the grown men that are really in the NBA is different because it's across an entire roster compared to in certain spots in the G League. The traveling's very different. Obviously, they don't have the same sort of money to put out or anything like that. Do you think that it does a good job of actually preparing guys to move on to the next level? I do. I think in a lot of ways, you know, the Stockton Kings are so lucky to have the facilities that they do have with the Stockton arena being so large. Sometimes it sucks because you can't fill the stands. Stockton isn't identified as this basketball town yet. Not to say that they can't become this basketball town or this basketball city, because I think that they will. Uh, and the Stockton Kings also have the old sleep train arena's practice facility, which is super nice. There's other G League teams out there that are practicing at high schools, that are practicing uh, wherever they can get a gym. You know, they don't have this identity as, like, this is home. So, overall, though, with the caliber of play, I think the NBA is doing a great job at getting these guys ready for the big league. And being associated with their teams and with uh, the NBA teams that they are associated with, I think it's so healthy and the relationships in the way that the NBA is trying to build the G League, even for let's say let's say the access to so many NBA players just isn't there. Well, it's so great because the access to the G League players, it allows them to experience, you know, signing autographs and um coming out to these events and speaking and doing all these things that you might have to do if you become the player that you need to become in the NBA. And we've seen so many players come out of the NBA G League and actually dominate in the NBA. Right. And you mentioned Stockton as a, you know, maybe not yet a basketball town, but one thing I learned that's really interesting is that where they have that arena, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but uh, right next door is the, the Stockton Ports uh, the baseball team yeah. there, the single A team. And when I was, uh, I was doing some research into that and that team, the Stockton ports has been there since the 1800s, which blows my mind. But uh, it's the first year there for, for the Stockton Kings. And it really, it's, I recommend anyone listening who hasn't gotten a chance to check it out, especially if you're in the area, definitely go out. It, you've got the baseball uh, arena right there, the, the stadium right there. And you've got the basketball arena right there. It's a great time, especially that first night down there. The the arena was absolutely slammed, uh, and and Peja was there, Vlade was there, you know, Vivek was there, everybody was there. Uh, it's and I think that that's a really big advantage that the Kings are going to start working because they've got their G League team, like you said, they practice in Atomus, and then they've got the where they're playing is forty minutes down I five. And that's not everywhere has that. I mean, some, some teams have their G League squad hundreds and hundreds of miles away, but specifically with Harry, there was a night where he played at a four o'clock, uh, four o'clock game, uh, in, in Sacramento and then was down 
the very next day in, in Stockton, or it was flipped, something like that. It, it was within 24 hours he played two games, one with the big league, one with Stockton, and then he was right back up to the big league for their practice the next day. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous advantage. And, and I mean, do you, do you agree? And do you think that that's going to be something that they can use as a tool to, to really kick this, uh, kick their development into gear? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think that's such a huge advantage to have, to also keep that relationship with the coaches of the Stockton Kings and the G League team and with the players and be able to, you know, and we've seen, just like you're saying, like Harry Giles was capable of playing a game in Sacramento and then going to Stockton. And it's like that travel is not going to bother him. That's a 40 minute drive. It's super easy. That's for some people, that's like driving from Sacramento to Roseville. You know, it's just a very simple drive. And just for this organization, I think it's, it's tremendous that they have this close of a relationship. And you look at someone like Rico Hines, like, he was an assistant with the Stockton Kings, and now he's uh, transitioning to the Sacramento Kings. It just it it shows if you guys all kind of have the same identity and the same goals between your G League team and uh, your NBA team, it's it's only going to be healthy for all the players that are going to be on both rosters. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, We'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse. And we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And and thank you very much for listening. Yeah, you kind of mentioned beyond the players a little bit, the coaching staff and all that. I think that... It works as an opportunity for more than just the roster and the people that are on payroll as a part of the team. I think for media members, photographers, other people get opportunities that they can get in Stockton that they wouldn't quite be able to have in Sacramento or the major uh, NBA association and maybe sort of use it as a stepping stone. Do you think that, or I guess, can you kind of just speak to that a little bit, the opportunities that it gives to much more than just the roster? Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, you talk about the opportunities and you're so right. It's just like I said, you know, the access to the players and the access to um, be able to have the opportunity, whether it's you want to shoot a game, if you're a photographer, or if you want to cover a game and you're new in this business, in the media business, and you're like, Deuce and I have had so many different high schoolers reach out to us and they want to shadow us during a game. And, you know, for us, it's difficult sometimes because we want to make sure that we are completely focused on the game. But at the same time, that's something 
I didn't have growing up and I'm not sure if Deuce for sure had that was like mentors and people really teaching you the ins and outs and, and having that access to a color commentator and uh, a play-by-play voice and being able to learn all these little things at this level. So then you can grow and continue your career into the bigger level. But that's the other thing. We know so many G League broadcasters that have been doing this for years and that's where they want to be. Like they truly just love calling games for their program and for their organization. And I think it's the coolest thing to give so many people this opportunity, especially in this area, you know, like when they were in Reno, the Reno Bighorns, it was uh, talk about, you know, a trip and a half. And sometimes there was snow that you'd have to make sure you have four wheel drive or whatever. And it's, it's the access having them right here in Stockton has been so cool. It's, I just think it's, like you're saying, so cool for not only players, relationships and the team, but for all the people within the organization that are like learning the ins and outs of how to run a game correctly. Oh, and you even, even the officials, we've seen so many officials that are cycling through that end up, you know, officiating in the NBA and they're, they have like a certain program where they have to do a certain amount of G league games and then they get a certain amount of NBA games and it's, you just see so much growth from every part, every working part of uh, NBA organization. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, was really lucky to have my first credential with uh, Stockton earlier this year. And that's where I got to, uh, I got to actually meet you and Deuce. And I got to, uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like within, it was one of those things where it's like, hey, am, am I going to be able to do this? And I applied for it and I got it. And then like, uh, oh, I'm talking to Harry Giles right now. And it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, shit. And then uh, it, it, but it's it's that's such a great uh, feeling there. Like and, and what I'll say about it, that's I think, you know, maybe maybe it's like this everywhere. I don't know. I, I haven't experienced it, but it feels like a family and a community. And I know that you are very involved with the community as well as the the Stockton Kings in particular, you know, Sacramento as well, but Stockton really has a tremendous amount of outreach where uh, I see them doing, you know, all types of activities with the community. Uh, I saw a picture of you and Deuce, uh, I think in a classroom talking to kids about basketball just the other day uh, to represent Stockton there. And, and I know that you're deeply involved with, um, uh, is it the junior Kings uh, camps as well? Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about your community outreach? Yeah. So, uh, when I started working for the Sacramento Kings, I, I became the junior Kings manager, which is the, uh, the youth basketball program with the Sacramento Kings. And so, you know, from there, it was great. I had freedom to run this program and, and I knew what I loved and what I hated in youth basketball growing up. So being able to connect with so many different kids throughout Sacramento and then when Stockton came, it was connecting with so many kids throughout Stockton. It, I mean, it's, it's magical. There's, there's truly nothing like that. And I think still some of my favorite camps and clinics are the, and sorry to be biased, but are the all girls clinics because you, you just, you look at the numbers with girls in sports at this young age and how, you know, more likely they are to drop out and, anyone with a daughter out there, you know, it just, I, I just 
suggest to just keep pushing them, push them, push them to the point where almost they don't want to do that, but like, don't let them quit. And, you know, being at those all girl clinics for junior Kings, it was like, it was the coolest thing. I, I remember I just wanted to cry being in this gym. It was the first year we had to like beg girls to come. And then the second year it was, we were sold out. And then you guys, we were lucky enough to have people like Jenny Busek and, uh, uh, Ruthie Bolton, uh, and a few other former WNBA players just come out and show these girls, you know, what's up. Like, this is what happens when you stick in sports. You, you grow in so many different ways than just in the basketball world. You, you grow as like a leader and in your confidence. And so, yeah, being able to connect with so many kids and through, through basketball, it's probably one of the coolest things I could ever do. And like you're saying with Stockton, you're so right. The, they're so good about reaching out in the community. And, and we, Deuce and I got to be with a whole bunch of kids the other day and we would have them, uh, for, it's a schedule release video that's going to come out. So I probably shouldn't say too much about it, but we just had them draw whatever they thought, uh, we we would tell them a G League name, like the main Red Claws or Memphis Hustle, and they would draw whatever came to their mind. And I think with the Red Claws, like the little girl drew a strawberry, you know, like she was like, okay, I think that they're the strawberries or whatever. And it was just the kids' imaginations and being in the community. It's, it's so rewarding. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing that you get out there and affect the community like that. I think that one of the final things that we kind of want to get in, get your opinions on here is the two newest additions to, uh, what will be the Stockton Kings and just, Justin James as the 40th overall pick and Kyle Guy, who very quickly became a fan favorite in summer league, uh, as the 55th pick. Yeah. So what's really cool is they, the first day that they were in town, they came to a junior Kings clinic and, you know, right away, they're really cute with the kids and they're think about it. These guys are so young for the most part. And so, uh, when they are good with kids and interacting and engaging, you, you can, you can tell a lot about their character and who they're going to be. And both these guys were so great. And I think, you know, Kyle guy is going to be that scrappy player that wants to just, make sure that he makes a name for himself. You know, he's, he's that type of guy that's just going to work hard and try and make that name for himself. He's going to keep shooting the ball. It's going to be fun seeing what he can do. And Justin James, he seems like a good size. Like I'm excited just to, just to call some of his games and see what he can really contribute. You know, he played in, he played on a team where he was the star player. So he was getting double teamed all the time and um, would still break through and, score and do what he needed to do. And I think there'll be less attention on him. I mean, I know there'll be less attention on him. So it's going to be exciting to see what kind of breakthrough he has, uh, especially if he, you know, is playing in the G League. Definitely excited to monitor what's going on down in Stockton because it will affect uh, the big league team as well. So, uh, you know, we'd love to have you back at some point when maybe the rosters are settled or settled after, uh, training camps and everything, I think it'll still be a little bit while longer before we know what Stockton's team is going to look like this year. And, and again, it's, it's one of those things where 
you never know what it's going to look like. It can change, you know, any any game of the season, you know, the guy can get called up. And, and that happened a lot last year with guys like uh, Cam Johnson and Kevin Lucas as well. But, uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's key. Uh, no. My, my, my wife has opened the door, so we may need to edit that audio out. But yeah, we got it. Um, <laughs> I'll pick that back up. But yeah, we'd love to have you guys back on. Maybe uh, we've had Deuce on before. I'd love to get you back on as well. Uh, maybe talk more about Stockton when their when their season's getting going and their roster is set. But we just wanted to thank you so much for for coming on with us today, Morgan. This was really awesome. Of course, you guys. Thank you so much. For, I would love to come back on, and especially you know when more basketball is happening and we can digest more. And uh, I'm just so excited. God, I love basketball. So it's going to be. It's going to be fun. And it's, it's even fun. You know, it's really cool. I think the coolest thing about the G League is really learning about some of these guys. And then when you, you just, you know, you're talking about before, like with Kaylin Lucas and everything and seeing them being called up and uh, achieve their dream, but also knowing their style of play. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I'm excited to talk to you guys again during the season. Yeah, and hopefully I'll see you down in Stockton a little bit. Uh, we're definitely going to keep track of the team in every way. And we want to give you an opportunity at the end here to plug anything you got going on, your Twitter account, anything like that. Ooh, some plugs. All right, well, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Momo Reagan, R-A-G-A-N. And um, you can catch me on the Do Some Mo podcast. It's just our weekly sports podcast, talking everything from football, basketball, baseball. So, um, yeah, you can find that on iTunes, Google Play. I'm, like, trying to think. You can find it on any <laughs> damn podcast app, all right? Just find it. Just Google it. Yeah, you can find it anywhere, and, and you can find it on my phone as well. I am a listener, and I, I, I got the shirt. You guys uh, – sent out some free shirts and i rock that thing with pride it's a great podcast uh we should have gotten more into it but but yeah again uh everyone out there go subscribe to that podcast it is i i i have no shame in saying it is better than this podcast so make sure oh you're subscribed <laughs> we're, it's different get it's different. out it's different <laughs> <laughs> there you go it's hey we're we're both different you guys are like very nba oriented we are very sports oriented or you know just every sports oriented they're both awesome podcasts so appreciate it yes we have room to coexist so uh uh, thanks so much again and uh we will talk to you guys out there again in a couple days